What is going on? Welcome back. Episode 56 of the 3rd and 20 Podcast. My name is Frank Ensel. We got the main man, Ryan Steed, on board. Steed, we're getting right into it. And Keel Harry requests a trade. I want to hear your take. What do you th- A, what do you think he goes for? B, if he goes for any, like, does he even have a market? Like, what is going on here in New England with Enkeel Harry, you think? I, I'm not shocked that he requested a trade. Like, the way he's played on the field and, you know, just kind of his his demeanor, it just feels like he needs a new landing spot. He's been kind of going toward that bus trend, and especially them spending money this free agency to load up this receiving core and spend the money on the tight ends maybe is kind of like Belichick all right like hitting at him like really you might not have a spot in this team anymore like I'm trying to get back and competing especially when we get all our guys back from COVID like you've had your shot uh what he goes for we were talking about it before I really didn't know maybe a fifth I still think that's a little bit of a stretch I I'm not an in-kill Harry believer so I don't think I would realistically, like, give much for him. But for teams that like him, I I saw today that the Cardinals are one of the favorites for him. You know, like, maybe if they just want to pick up a receiver and and a young coach like Cliff Kingsbury, if he sees something in Kill Harry, maybe that's a a new landing spot for him to show what he can prove. That actually surprises me. I didn't know that the Cardinals were the favorites for him just because I thought – The Cardinals, their number one position they'd be looking to add is tight end after uh, bringing in A.J. Green, drafting Rondell Mm -hmm. Moore, drafted receivers every year, it seems like. Not saying that they don't necessarily need more. And, you know, obviously they're in that spot where they're trying to win a championship. So any good players are good players. It doesn't really matter where they're at. I agree with you, though. uh, Yeah, I was just going to say the two other favorite teams are the football team and the Falcons, who I really don't see them making a move for that. And you know, football team, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily love a lot of those landing spots. I was thinking Chicago could definitely be a potential landing spot. Um, Philly, I thought could use yeah, him. Philly could be something. Um, even Pittsburgh, if I'm not sure if the Patriots want to deal into Pittsburgh, but I thought that. Pittsburgh, in terms of getting another big-bodied receiver as a depth piece, maybe because he – I think the problem, though, is that he doesn't offer anything on special teams, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of has a niche skill set. Um, yeah, so like like you said, I, I think he's worth at most a fifth-round pick, and that's if he has a market and you really desperately need a receiver. Um, maybe the Browns? Like, I think the Browns could definitely – use him as like a contending team, a big body receiver, a team that likes having those big receivers. But from what I've heard, they really like Donovan's people's Jones and they're getting Odell Beckham yeah. back and Higgins and, you know, you already have Landry there. So it seems like, is it worth spending resources to bring in and Harry? Personally, if I was a GM, I would not touch and Harry unless it was with like a waiver claim or a seventh I was not a huge N.K. Harry guy when he was coming out. I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of those 50-50 ball winner receivers. I mean, if you listen to the pod, that's one of the reasons I'm definitely lower on Jamar Chase than other people is because he's just one of those types of receivers. I, I've i seen the, the tail. It, it works. Like, there are guys that can definitely do it, and we've seen it work in the past. It's just – it's not, to me at least, a reliable skill set. 
unless you are mm. legitimately insane. Um, which NQ Harry I did not think was at the time, and I don't think he is now. So I guess the other question with NQ Harry is can he turn it around? I, I think he that's the thing. His landing spot would have to fit perfect for him, you know, because like we've seen receivers in the past dug themselves out of this grave, you know, and you know, not turn he's not gonna turn into that elite first round receiver you like the Patriots hope and dream that he would be. But if he the thing is, if he could find a spot on a contender and make a couple plays here and there, you know, yeah, but like I think at best what you're hoping to get out of Inkill Harry is just kind of kind of a role guy, you know, a guy comes in and does his job. You know, it's it's funny because I actually do think he can turn it around for a couple of reasons. Like you said, we we've seen this time and time again where just a change of scenery, if it's going to help any position, it's usually the receiver position. I mean, his agent does somewhat have a point. Like to a certain extent, yeah, you have to be good, but it is a little bit about opportunity, right? If you're not mm-hmm. getting the targets, you're never going to be able to put up the numbers. It is like that to a certain extent. You know, obviously if you're a sick receiver, you're probably going to work your way up the depth chart and get targets. I understand that part of it. But the other reason is that, I mean, we've seen some really good receivers come to New England and struggle, right? Like yeah. Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco kind of said it, you know, he has um, – I forget what his show is and he, you know, he's everywhere. Right. And he, he said like, dude, it's different there. You're not a player. You're just another guy, no matter who you are, except if you're like Tom Brady, you know, you're just a guy, you're replaceable. There's always someone behind you. And he said, it's just different than every other Mm -hmm. team. Like, so as a first round pick, if you're expecting to come in there and be the guy, like that's just not what the Patriots are. That's not how Bill Belichick rolls. So, he was just always in that weird kind of situation because most first round picks when they come in are the guy, you know, they are the dude that's like, Hey, we're expecting you to come in early, have success. We're going to give you the opportunity, but maybe a team picks him up for cheap and he's able to, to go and, and, and thrive in a new system and a system that does give him opportunity. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I think if, the max he'll really pull it around is being like a James Washington, maybe a little bit better than in that James Washington role, like you said, where if you you have like two or three guys in front of him, um, you can bring him on the field in, in three or four receiver sets or as a rotational guy, he can create some mismatches against smaller corners. And, you know, if a guy gets hurt, he's a dude with talent that can come in and be pretty reliable. I was about to say, if he does find a role and he is like that fourth guy on the roster, if someone gets hurt, he has to seize that opportunity right there. And, you know, it's going to sound like a, a dig at, at Keel Harris saying, oh, well, I think he could be a James Washington. But, like, I think people need to realize that, that that's a good role in the NFL. And, like, James Washington's a good player, but I think the similarities between a guy like Keel Harry and a guy like James Washington is that they are just not versatile enough and are not insanely good enough at what they have a competitive advantage in to be a number one or number two guy. Because that's mm-hmm. generally the receivers that are the number two and number or number one receivers on a team. It's either you do something insanely well and you can just consistently make a living doing it, or you are 
incredibly versatile and have a bunch of different ways that you can beat a guy. And when you're a James Washington or an Enkeel Harry, it's not that you're a bad receiver or a bad player. You're just, there are parts of your game that heavily limit you, right? For yeah. whatever reason. They're flawed. Yeah. And, and for those two guys, to me, it's like, well, you just can't really separate, right? And even, even if you're a good 50-50 ball guy, you've lost a lot of it since college, right? You're just nowhere near the 50-50 ball monster you were in college. Um, so what are, what are you going to do? Like you can only get so much playing time and so much opportunity if your skill set's that limited. But I think that that's the role he could definitely find if he goes to in a situation. You got anything else to add? No, I'm good on Inco Harry. Hope, hope the best for him though, wherever he lands. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, it, it didn't really feel like he was ever given like the reins, right? I don't know if that's well, the right remember, way to put he, it. He he started off his career hurt, right? And then he comes back like mid to late season, and that's when the Patriots were like, what what when did they start that year? Like eight and oh, nine and oh like Yeah, and the offense and that, just couldn't do anything. It, it, yeah, they were winning solely based on how great their defense was, and then when it pushed came to shove, you know, like it, the, the offense faltered. It, it kept on faltering, and whatever it may be, he just never was able to fulfill that number one role guy. And then you go into the last year, you know, and kind of the same story, you know, like Cam got off to a great start, got COVID, came back, and the passing attack was not. Yeah, really it's just as effective. I think the other thing too is he kind of got in Brady's doghouse a little bit. So, if, I mean, when yeah. when you're on the Patriots, I mean, especially at that time when it, Brady's the, established himself basically as the goat to a lot of people already, and to us, it's I like mean, he's dude, gonna say who he likes throwing yeah, to, who he doesn't. Dude, yeah. If he if he doesn't want a guy on the field, they're not gonna be on the field. They're, That's they're just kind of the way playing. the news goes. Let's go into some fantasy football talk, though. So. Kind of haven't talked a lot about fantasy football. You know, we obviously we have the the Dynasty podcast that I'm sure some of you listen to. But we've been neglecting the redraft crew, right? We've been completely neglecting the, the normal redraft fantasy football players. So next couple of episodes, including this one, we're going to be talking about a bunch of redraft stuff. And I want to start it off with redraft draft strategies. We talked about it last year. But I want to get back into it again. So I'm going to start it off. Just This is just normal league settings. It's not super flex, redraft, or any or tight end premium or anything. It's just standard fantasy football redraft league. I guess you can count it as PPR whatever. Regardless, I am the kind of guy in these regular fantasy football redraft leagues, I stack running backs every mm-hmm. single year. I personally think that drafting a receiver in the first round is the ultimate bait. And I think one of the great examples of that this year is Devontae Adams. First, for for a bunch of reasons. First off, if you just look at passing numbers year in and year out, even Aaron Rodgers, some of the best quarterbacks, will fluctuate between 25 and like 50 passing touchdowns. And guess who they're throwing the ball to? These receivers. Dude, Aaron Rodgers just threw, like, 50 passing touchdowns last year. Not actually, but it was pretty damn close. Yeah, it was, like, 40. 
five, forty-six. Like when you, when you have that crazy of a year, you're just bound for regression. Even if he's on the freaking Packers, right? That's the other thing behind it. We don't even know if Aaron Rodgers he, or Devontae Adams are going to be on the Packers come the start of the season. I do not advise drafting him in the first round. I don't care what happened last year. I don't care how good he is. To me, I see touchdown regression, and I see an uncertain Aaron Rodgers. Like, if I'm in a high-stakes fantasy league, no shot am I drafting Devontae Adams within, like, the first 15 picks, maybe even more. Mm. I agree with that because uh, in my league, it's a keeper league, but when the normal draft was when we started it, I stacked running backs. You know, you're gonna you're gonna miss on some, but you're gonna hit on some. And it comes to a point in these leagues where running back is very thin because the bridge of the point differential in running back is is so much huger than like say a quarterback or receiver, because you can find these mid-round guys to fill in these receiver holes like a Cooper Cup or so, a Robert Woods. And, you know, if you get if you have you know three capable running backs, you can use that as trade bait later on. Yeah, I think that you kind of put it best, maybe even better than I was going to put it. Receivers, I can find a receiver one, not every year, but somewhat consistently, in round five or six, or maybe round yeah. four. It happens every year, right? There, there's guys that you can pick up even beyond that, right? Stefan Diggs, I imagine, was maybe one. I mean, Justin Jefferson was obviously one of them, but you're never yeah. – I don't really advise going out there and picking – you know, going rookie heavy and getting rookie fever in your redraft leagues. I think that yeah, is a bait. It's, it's, it'd be pretty sane to see another rookie have a year like Justin Jefferson, you know. Um, But, yeah, like, generally speaking, you're not going to find these insane stud running backs at that part of the draft. And guess what? If you do – you win leagues, like, and it's usually the James Robinsons and the James Connors. Like, if you're able to find one of those guys, I mean, you're basically guaranteed a playoff spot, barring catastrophic stuff to your early round picks. So, to me, I want to stack running backs early. The only reason I would not stack running backs early is if I want one of these elite level tight ends, and mm-hmm. playing tight ends is always tough. I don't think that. I have like a set strategy on how to get tight ends. I, the way that I do it, I just have in dynasty and in redraft, I play them for value. You kind of just set a general range. Hey, if I, if George Kittle or whoever your tight end one is, is here, I'll draft him. Right. It doesn't matter what, what pick I have. Like I'm not drafting him before. Let's just say, I'm not saying actually but for argument's sake, 203, the 15th pick. I will not draft a tight end before the 15th pick. Anywhere after the 15th pick, I will draft my tight end one. And then you set that for tight end two and tight end three. And you only do that for the legitimate stud tight ends. And I think right now I have like a stud vat. Let me let me pull up tight ends real quick. So you obviously have Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle. Those are like the big three. And those are the only ones I would really take with a high round pick. Aside yeah. from that, Guys that I would set a price tag on, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, and probably also Kyle Pitts. I think the problem, though, is that Kyle Pitts is going to be going really early every draft, um, yeah, earlier than I would be comfortable taking him. But I, don't, I think that those guys, 
I would set a price tag on every single one of them. After that, I mean, like Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon are guys that I like, but you you don't necessarily have to like. When, when those guys are getting drafted, late. it's like yeah, they're they're going late anyway, so you're almost just like think about it. Logan Thomas probably went undrafted in every single league last year, and he he finished the number three tight end last year, and you know just. It, that's the thing. I don't know. It's going to be tough finding those guys, but I, I do like your strategy on the tight ends because I do like having that one certified tight end, just a beast of a tight end like a George Kittle, where if I can snag him in the second round, then I'm chilling and I don't have to worry about it. I know week in and week out he's going to produce, and I don't have to worry about that position because people find themselves like, you know, playing the waiver wire every single week during these redraft leagues, just trying to find a tight end who's even – yeah, you know, who, who's either who's either hot or just someone they need to play because he's not on a buy. So speaking of drafting tight ends early, um, we'll get into like tight. We're gonna go through all the positions, guys that we like. The next episode, we'll say the guys that we're fading. But the one thing I will say about drafting a tight end early, if you say with your second round pick, I'm gonna pick up George Kittle. Let's say right. I think with your other picks, then you shouldn't be shooting for the stars. And to me, that means guys like Joe Mixon and, you know, a lot of like DeAndre Swift, all those kinds of guys, you know, Najee Harris. I would be avoiding those guys if I went tight end really early because the one thing I don't want to have happen if I draft the tight end in the second is have all the other picks bust out and and I get screwed. If you want, if you go, if you play the value game with tight end and end up picking one up in the sixth or seventh round, hey, that's fine. Go ahead and take the risk on these on these boomer bust running backs, right? Because you you your roster, you have the capability of doing so. You have the necessary depth. If I draft a tight end in round two, and you know, okay, round one, I'm always taking a running back, right? Let's say I end up with Nick Chubb in round one. George Kittle in round two, two guys that I know are good, that when they're healthy, they'll be playing well. The last thing I want to do is start taking guys that have un- uncertainty after that. I'm just not going to have the depth because let's just say I do take – Mixon won't be there in round three, but let's just say – who's a running back? Antonio Gibson. Let's say Antonio Gibson in round three. I love Antonio Gibson. I would much rather have someone I'm more confident in than Antonio Gibson. For me, that would be J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, even Josh Jacobs. Because even though mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson may have this higher ceiling, if he is not a stud running back, I could be fucking screwed come you know, come the season, right? Because then I have to start relying on, like, okay, maybe like a Travis Etienne. If he's going to be an RB, a good valued RB two, and then what happens if it's his bye week? Well, then I'm going to my RB four, where it's like, well, I hope Leonard Fournette's freaking playing, right? Like, I, I don't want to be in one of these scenarios. I want to have guys. Injuries happen. You can't predict that. But what you can do is not take the bait. You can go for a little bit less of a ceiling and make sure, hey, I'm getting guys that I know are going to be producing if they're on the field healthy. Okay, yeah, I may not have running back one, running back two on the season, but I've got a damn good tight end, a top five tight end, and two top 15 running backs. All of a sudden, that you're in every single fantasy league you're in. You're in the mix. Yeah, that's right. 
all right. So, I, you know, going going back to the strategy, right? You know, I'm stacking running backs. Maybe I, I'll take a tight end around two or three, or maybe around four. The other question, though, is when do we take quarterbacks? When do we take receivers? For me, always. Now, last year was a little bit, you know, probably would have screwed me. I didn't really play redraft last year. But last year, quarterbacks were popping off. So if you did this strategy, you probably got screwed to a certain extent. A large part of that, though, at least in my opinion, was because of the COVID defenses. You saw in the first half of the season, there were players on pace for 6,500 yards. Come the second half of the season, defenses got their shit together, and all of a sudden, these crazy quarterback numbers started to to dwindle down back to the norm a little bit. I expect next year, a lot of these crazy quarterback seasons are – you know, you'll have a couple of guys every year that pop off, but it's not going to be like 10 guys scoring over like 350 points at the quarterback yeah. position again. Um, so regardless of that, I always want to pick up quarterbacks for pennies. I never want to spend a high pick on a quarterback. We're going to talk about auction leagues, but spoiler alert, it's for that too. I- I'm just not doing it. I'm waiting till like the very last picks to go and pick up a quarterback. I- I'm not spending a high pick yeah. on him. That's always been my strategy in these leagues is that I um, usually like that's the last thing I get as a quarterback, honestly, if I think about it, because I can pick up a Tannehill or someone like that. But you got to think about it in the top 10 quarterbacks last year. Josh Allen led it, I'm pretty sure. But at 10, or Kyler Murray might have been or Kyler. But there was like a distinguished between the top 10 where it was only like a 40 point difference, you know? So like, you're that guy that's like, Oh, I'm going to get Patrick Mahomes. It's going to drop 28 every week. You know, like, I mean, there's multiple guys that are doing that where you should be investing your, investing your most capital into getting a running back. Cause again, that's the thinnest position, you know, it, I just really never understood it. Just finding yourself a quarterback that's in a good system, a hall like Baker Mayfield, you know, like he seems like he turned it around whenever the Browns started making their playoff march. You could probably get him in later rounds. Um, Tannehill will always be a very volatile. Tannehill and Stafford for me, I think, are like two great players. Dak Prescott Stanford. as well, but he may be getting picked pretty hard nowadays. That's what I was going to say because a couple years ago, Dak would probably. League like winner. Yeah, league yeah, winner kind of guy. Late round pick, but you know, he popped off. And of course, like what he did before he got hurt is people are just going to fall in love with him. So I, I see him falling off the board a little earlier now. Well, than, one uh, guy that you can basically to. always so usually, you know, you have the guys that will take like Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes way before everyone else, right? And you say, go ahead, mm-hmm. have them. That's the bait. If you see the quarterback run and you want to get one of these guys that you can kind of know is going to have a top 10 season, the guy I am targeting in every single league, and this is funny because I do it for Dynasty too because he's the most undervalued guy every year, it's Russell Wilson. Yeah. You're never going to find a guy for a better price than Russell Wilson. It just doesn't happen. You know, I'll go to I'll go to Fantasy Pro's quarterback rankings, right? Russell Wilson, outside of the top five. I, it's just he is a top five guy. 100%. He's a top five guy. So if, if you want a top five quarterback without paying a top five price, it's usually Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah, I, I think that picking up Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, um, Baker Mayfield, 
Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, even Jameis maybe. Like, because you're going to get them last rounds of the draft. Like, dude, I'll take that all day, especially Tannehill and and Matthew Stafford, because you can really wait on those guys and you can pick them up for nothing. Well, the thing is with Jameis, too, if – Jameis is going to be going late, but if he is the starter next year, he, like he's in a perfect position where you know those interception numbers he had in Tampa are definitely going to come down. He's not going to have thirty again and like what twenty eight picks. Oh, it's the Sean Payton dude. Sean Payton yeah. waves his magic pencil, and all of a sudden he turns average quarterbacks into elite guys, and that shows up on fantasy. I mean, when when Teddy Bridgewater was stepping in, he was a pretty reliable guy. He wasn't necessarily patrick mahomes level but i mean think about it like oh well some dude picked up patrick mahomes in the fifth or sixth round of the draft and i went out and picked up Jameis winston the second to last pick before i or like the third to last pick right before i picked up my damn kicker and i'm getting relatively similar production um and then making up the value difference at the positions to me that at least that actually matter tight end or running back and and receiver to a certain extent so that's the other question. When do we pick up receivers, right? And we'll get into that because I think receivers in the middle of the draft are always great, right? And it's always a balance between picking up receivers and keep stacking running backs. And how I always played it is it's it's zeros, ones, and twos, man. You got receivers that are that are receiver ones, you know, those guys that are gonna not just put up 170 points, the guys that can legitimately put up like 1400 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns like have that crazy Mm -hmm. season because those guys are worth spending a high pick on i I don't disagree with that but the line is very misconstrued between these type of dudes right so to me a guy that could do that is calvin ridley yeah right a guy that could do that is terry mclaurin a guy that is not going to do that is robert woods Robert mm-hmm. Woods is still a good player, and I target him in a lot of my leagues. Like, I really like all these Rams receivers. But you don't want to be picking up receivers over high-valued running backs and high-value tight ends, right? you, you got to separate it. Like, okay, I'll pick up Terry McLaurin over Chris Carson, right? Because I know Terry McLaurin, I, I legitimately think next year can put up, like, 1,300 yards and have 10 touchdowns. But I know he's going to play. Yeah, and I but I am not going to go out there and say, "Oh, well, T Higgins, I'm going to draft over a good running back." Oh, right? no shot. So I, I think that it's it's definitely a balance, and if if it's even, I'm going to lean running back. Right, that's just kind of how it goes. So like the way that I would play it this year, I usually like to pick a running back, and it's like, well, would I rather have him or the receiver? And for this year, to me, that's J.K. Dobbins because for some reason, J.K. Dobbins I see on Fantasy Pros is ranked. 18th overall which to me is mind-boggling by the way um i can't believe that of all the 2020 running backs he's like ranked the last right now of like the relevant ones crazy to me because i think he's the second best um you could probably pick him up in round four round five i'd imagine you know that's the game like you gotta let's just go through all the receivers like okay yeah the top five you'd probably rather have them over jk dobbins but um like alan robinson i'd rather have jk dobbins 
Amari Cooper. I just want the running back depth. Yeah, I'd probably Amari rather Cooper. have J.K. Dobbins, Robert Woods, Chris Chris Godwin, C.D. Lamb. I'd probably all rather have J.K. Dobbins. And then once you snag up all of your running backs and you have like three guys, right? Let's just say first four rounds, I pick up a tight end, three running backs, or three running backs and a Calvin Ridley, right? Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now I can fill in and pick up Adam Thielen's Cooper Cups, Brandon Ayuk's, Odell Beckham's, Debo Samuels. Like then I could pick up these receivers that at the end of the day have just as much of a chance as freaking CD Lamb at, at high level production. Yeah, especially uh, someone like Debo too. Like you got to remember he's hurt, but like he got hurt at the beginning of last year, but. I mean, you saw how he was. He worked very well in Shanahan's offense, and I understand like people are gonna say, "Well, CD, like they're gonna throw fifty times a game with um, Dak, and CD's gonna get so many targets, and he had such a great year last year." I mean, that's not wrong, but again, it comes back to that point where you have to value running backs over these receiver guys when you can just plug in the holes from then on out. Well, yeah, I every week I want to be starting four running backs if we have two flexes, right? If we're starting two running backs and we have two flexes, every single week I want to play four running backs. That That's my goal. And, mm. dude, I will sacrifice receiver depth for that. I am very glad picking at the trash pile of receivers because there's a thousand of these guys that can put up points. Emmanuel Sanders, dude, he's a good player. He can put up some points. Elijah Moore, Jacoby Myers. Like, there's DJ Tim Moore. Patrick even, right? Tim Patrick last year was like a good receiver a bunch of weeks. That doesn't really happen at running back. And if it does, people are putting in all their waiver claims for that guy. Dude, mm-hmm. I will like I want five or six running backs I can choose between a halfway decent tight end, and I will sacrifice a quarterback and receiver. That's basically the strategy, right? At least my strategy. I think you and me, we've always had a similar strategy. Yeah, we, we've we had a lot of drafts together. We've had a lot yeah. of success in redraft leagues. So I guess we can start going into, we've already hit on it to a certain extent, specific players that we want to target in these leagues. So this is going to be somewhat redundant, but I'll go through some of mine at quarterback, Steve. You can add on any guys. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, in terms of the high-value guys, because you don't have to pick them as the first, second, and third quarterback off the board, usually not even the fourth, because the top four guys are usually Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. But come quarterback five and six, if I want one of those top dogs, I can pick up Russell Wilson. I can pick up Dak Prescott. They're league winners. Aside from that, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, and then as a backup quarterback, a Kirk Cousins, a Carson Wentz, a Baker Mayfield, um, Jameis Winston. I think that those are the generally speaking the guys that I would target. Yeah, and I, I just add a couple. Matt would probably I'd like. Oh yeah, Matt Ryan would bench. be a nice, a nice guy. Um. I still think you could – I still think Baker would be a great buy. I just think he's going to thrive. Like, I know they have one of the best running back duos, but he's going to get his, you know. Uh, also, like, you speaking of taking quarterbacks high, I'm pretty sure you can add Herbert in there. I think a lot of people are going to bite the bullet on Herbert as well. I, I would think what I've seen. I'm not touching Herbert in redraft. I'm not either because, like, I think – like he. He, he might not get a sophomore slump. He might not, but, like, I'm just not chancing it, you know. Like, I got to see a little more before I get really fully invested, especially at the price he would be going for to me. I Because oh, I, like, 
I, I see a lot of people are like, like Herbert had an insane year last year, and that there's no doubt about it. But you know, also a guy like Joe Burrow too. I don't really know where he would be mocked at, but I see a lot of people right around Stafford probably. Yeah, the I, thing I mean, is, going on Herbert, I would rather take Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady over him, and it's not even, like, a question to me. I mean, Jalen Hurts would be a good buy. I, I still think because of Jalen's running ability, he he would probably go a little higher. And then, you know, then you just got to look at the running backs on the board then. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to be a fancy to fantasy owners just because of his running game as well. Yeah, I think that Jalen Hurts is a good buy. You can add him to the list of, of quarterbacks that I would want to buy because his price is just favorable. Okay, let's go into running backs. We can almost because we want to stack running backs, we can kind of spend time through each round who we're trying to get. Okay, obviously you have the top dogs. I really don't think you can go wrong with a lot of these guys. You know, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry. Where I think the bait starts to set in is right around here. Ezekiel Elliott and Austin Eckler, I would ship him. Yeah, I'll let yeah, someone else him take him, to be honest, for different reasons. A, Ezekiel, I think he's a good player. I think you have a good year. I have him more down as like a high end RB2 than I do certified stud RB1, just because I, every single time I watch him, it's like, and I own Zeke in, in, a, in a dynasty league, and like, I'm pulling for him to do well. It's just, I, dude. I watch these games and I see a different Ezekiel Elliott than I did two years ago. I think it's just because, like, look at his um, his progression throughout his career. It's been a steady trend down. You yeah. know, maybe not as drastic, but like last year, it definitely took a big dip. And you know, he, that's the thing. You 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 look at a big name like Ezekiel Elliott, and you're like, well, this guy's done in the past. Like, I can get him here in the second round and I'm just getting a bargain. It's not really a bargain. He fell well, you're getting him in the middle of the reason. first. You're not even getting him in the second. Oh yeah. Middle of the first. Yeah. But like there's, he just doesn't belong there anymore. in in my opinion, whether he belongs or not, I don't care. The thing is, is that you're not going to win the draft in the first round, but you can sure as hell no. lose the draft in the first round. Oh, and yeah, to me, yeah, if... picking Ezekiel and Austin Eckler, like I understand they have a ton of upside. But I'm not looking to win the draft for my first round pick. I'm looking to take a guy that I know is going to be playing and, and playing at least at a halfway decent level. So to me, I would rather have Nick Chubb over Ezekiel Elliott and Austin Eckler and even Aaron Jones. Um, even though I, I like Aaron Jones, but I, I would want to pick him up at like the turn, right? Mm -hmm. Where I pick up Aaron Jones and whoever, right? Jonathan right. Taylor, I think, is a good buy. Um, he's fine oh, in the first Taylor. round. Joe Mixon, dude, I, I'm not taking him in the early second. I, I'm kind of fading him there. I'd rather Cam Akers than Joe Mixon. Oh, 100%. The thing about Joe Mixon was always kind of funny with him because, like, you know, I, I've done this to myself too because I kept him one time because, like, you know, like he gets on these good roles and lets you believe in him and then he comes out and then he's not like he's just not producing where you took took him out and then like you take him out and then the by the the week you take him out he goes off mm -hmm. and then you put it back in and then he goes back to being mediocre so if i want more of a steady back cam Akers is definitely a more viable option maybe a clyde i take clyde over him just because of the offense so, yeah, then, then you kind of get into this crop of running backs, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson. 
first off, I would rather have J.K. Dobbins over every single one of those guys. Second off, I'm not necessarily fading these dudes. But kind of like I said earlier, I do not want to have to rely on these guys to be an RB1 or a high-end RB2 necessarily. Like, okay, rely if on I can get them. Antonio Gibson. You're drafting them to be a high-end RB2. But right after that, if I draft one of these dudes, I'm drafting another running back to make mm-hmm. sure, like, hey, okay, now I have three. I have an RB1 and two RB2s just in case, like, dude, if, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes out there and starts just playing inconsistent again, whether he's good or not, okay, well, at least I have a David Montgomery and a, or a Josh Jacobs, a guy that is, like, good yeah. behind him. And then if they're both good, well, fuck, that, there's the strategy. I'm starting three good running backs every week. Yeah, it's funny because you bring up Josh Jacobs and we, we made a trade in our dynasty league for him. But I, I said earlier, like, I just wouldn't buy Zeke just because of the steady downtrend. Yeah, I get Josh Jacobs had the down year last year, but he still – he doesn't have as much mileage as Zeke still because you got to remember he played one year at Bama and he did have extreme success in his rookie year. I just think it was more of just a down year for him. That is one guy I would, I would buy to have a little bounce back season and actually – be a good RB two for your team. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think he really had a down year last year. Like statistically and, and speaking, I, I think everybody. Carry, will, maybe. Yeah, I think that everybody. Well, that's the thing. You know, he's going to get a lot of carries. I just what Grief is going to well, do. But dude, it's just. I think people fail to understand that the Raiders at one point during last season basically had an entirely new offensive line starting from the guys they had in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that's one like of the that reasons why they lost. I mean, aside from their absolutely trash defense, their entire offensive line was hurt. That's half the reason they got rid of all those guys. It's like, dude, we were paying our offensive line a crap ton of money. We had a decent offense last year without all those guys. Why the hell yeah. would we want them? Like, <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't matter. So, dude, like running backs at the end of the day are a product of their offense. And Josh Jacobs, right now, I'm seeing on Fantasy Pros which obviously is not the gospel, but you get the general tier break mm-hmm. around him. Like, RB22? That's freaking ridiculous. I would rather have Josh Jacobs than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'd rather have Josh Jacobs than Chris Carson. I'd rather have Josh Jacobs, honestly, than probably Antonio Gibson, um, just as a guy to rely on. It's I love Josh Jacobs. I love J.K. Dobbins in these drafts. Dude, there are a lot of good price running backs. Like, all the running backs in this tier – J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, obviously Josh Jacobs, even Mike Davis. Like, dude, I like yeah. these running backs. I am stacking all these guys. Last one, Javante Williams, I love. I'm drafting him. Ronald Jones, I think, is extremely underpriced. I think he's miles ahead of a guy like Chase Edmonds. Um, Obviously, if you're in a standard league, Chase Edmonds, don't draft him. Um, Last one's... Who else would I take? Me, I think Damian Harris. I'd take the shot on if I really what about got another to... rookie like Trey Sermon. I like Trey Sermon that... a lot too. Yeah, I was about to say if I got screwed or if I just wanted to add late, late round running backs, the ones I would look at, I would try to stack Damian Harris and um, what's hmm. his name, the kid that they drafted that I, that I like. Um, oh, from Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, his name is escaping me right now. I would stack them or p- even better, I think, pick up Trey Sermon because I think Trey Sermon is in for a big year. 
Well, it's just like Trey Sermon's in like one of the best spots. Ramondre you know? Stevenson is who I'd want to stack with Damian yeah. Harris. That's it. Um, obviously, if you don't have a ton of roster spots, like the fact that I like Trey Sermon more as a single player is nice. Another back end guy that you could probably get easily, Michael Carter for the Jets, I, I think would be an interesting buy because, like, I have seen a lot of reports from Camp that he is just kind of popping off right now. Too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, in redraft, he's at a good price. I think the last one, if you want, like, if you're in a PPR league, JD McKissick, I don't think you should sleep on JD oh, McKissick yeah. if you, if you're like desperate for a running back and need to pick one up at the end. All right, I think that's it for the running backs, though. Receivers. Okay, as I said earlier, of the top-end guys, Calvin Ridley, I absolutely love. I personally think that he is a bona fide top-five receiver. And, like, he's just a stud, right? And for some reason, every single draft, he's going behind all the other bona fide stud receivers. Yeah, now his ceiling's even higher now due to the Julio trade, where he is that number one guy. And you got to remember, it became it's very. Matt Ryan has a lot of trust in Calvin, especially in the red zone, and he he's all he's always going to be able to score too. So like, the, the dude can score like all, every game because he he can just put you on skates of how like talent he is in route running. I've Calvin really, I I take a over like a lot of these guys he's so he's going to be dominant next year yeah if i'm going to go for a top end receiver calvin ridley d hop digs those are the guys i'm looking at calvin ridley the most just because he's the cheapest um other than that as i said earlier terry mclaurin i think is a guy that if you were to ask me well who's the lowest dude on this rankings list that has the best chance of finishing as the wide receiver one it's terry mclaurin and on Fantasy mm-hmm. Pros, he's ranked at 12 behind Allen Robinson. I think that's fantastic buy. He, like, he's the type of dude that yeah, in a lot of leagues is. I'd look at taking as my wide receiver one eventually. Um, then you kind of get into this crop, all these dudes that I, I just kind of like. You know, if you just kind of pick the last one that's available. Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin – Julio, DJ Moore. DJ Moore is another one that's like, I actually think he's pretty good. Cooper Cup. Love DJ Moore. Um, probably put Brandon Ayuk in there as well, too. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. Odell, I think, is being kind of underdrafted. So it's like all those dudes, even Debo, right? Like Debo, Will Fuller, all these guys. They're all being like, I'll, I'll scoop up all these dudes. Yeah, just I'm going to wait. Once I get my running back, Galladay? I'm confident. I, I think, think Galladay's in the next tier. If he falls, that's fine. I'm not necessarily going to pick him above his ADP. Right now he's being drafted as a wide receiver too. Mm. I don't think I'd have him in my top 24 receivers, and he's ranked number 24. He'd be a close to it, but um, we're not going to go into the guys that we're fading. Other back-end guys that I like, Jerry Judy, I think, is all right. I don't think he's the best pick. Jarvis Landry's kind of in that same boat. I actually do really like some of these guys, though. Devontae Smith and LaVisca Chenault are two dudes that the back end of your draft you can pick up. Marvin Jones Jr. is like, if you want to find a player that will every year beat his ADP, it's Marvin Jones Jr. (laughs) Like, he's guaranteed to. Him and Cole Beasley. 
Yeah, because Marvin Jones has that one week where he just drops 40 points. You know, it's crazy. He's 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 so good, and people just got to put some respect oh, on Marvin Jones' down. name. Um, yeah, other than that, it's like Paris Campbell, I think, is is like a back-end dude. Brashad Perryman, maybe, they, they can put up some points. And then, you no, know, you I'm can always take a them. flyer on the rookies. Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. Other low end guys, Jacoby Myers, I like. Um, yeah, I'll scoop all these dudes up at the back end of the draft after I have my plethora of running backs and my solid tight end. Yeah, I mean, like, just look at this. Like, even as a back end guy, Russell Gage now is going to be the two for Atlanta. I, and the thing is, like, when he's on the field, he gets targets. Now, like, he has to prove on his catching ability, but, you know, He's getting looks, and when he plays, like he gives you valuable points just to have someone on your bench for depth. And if he does start popping off, he could he could be a look in the back end for me. All right, so let's move on into the tight ends before we get into auction stuff. Honestly, like, dude, this year I actually agree with the consensus tight end rankings to a certain extent. I think they're pretty good. Like. I think I'd bump Dallas Goddard up a little bit because I think that Dallas Goddard is basically just as good as Mark Andrews um, and that he's going to be heavily used this year. But I like the tight end ADP. I'm going to draft him at their ADP. Like, I I like tight ends. I if I can right. nab a Darren Waller, like if I'm at the turn in the first round and I can nab a running back in Darren Waller, fuck yeah. Like, I will gladly go running back Darren Waller and then – you know, like a Terry McLaurin and another running back and then another running back, running back after that, and then fill in receivers and my quarterback, defense kicker, and there's my team. Yeah, that's easy. But Yeah, I don't really have anything against their rankings. I, I like them for the most part. Yeah, it's just where do you want to pick them up? Do, do they fall to you? I think that if I was looking at a back-end tight end, they have it pretty accurately ranked. I'd look at Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas. Mike Kosicki is mm-hmm. – been hated on so much by the community that I think he's actually at a pretty decent spot, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. If I really got screwed, who would I take? Let's see. Oh, man, you're just looking at the wasteland. I guess Gronk. Get Gronk in there, hope for a touchdown. Basically. Uh, maybe maybe I'd pick up Janu, Janu Smith. What about Irv Smith Jr.? No, I think he's a bait. I think he's a bait and a half. Well, really? I'll talk about him next episode. Don't worry. Tyler Higby's bait. <laughs> All right, kickers and defense, I think it's just a week-to-week thing. I'd waiver those guys unless you just manage to pick the best guy. I um, I honestly, like, I, I I don't know if this is part of your strategy, but, dude, I do it every year where I kind of push the envelope a little bit and just always get Justin Tucker. I just, I just, I just want the certified best. Where like I never have to worry about it. But also, I think you can put Koo in there too now because Koo's pretty good. Well, also he plays in a dome, so generally speaking, you don't have to worry about weather crap. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I looked at Justin Tucker's numbers over average compared to other kickers. You like basically he gives you half a point or like a point. And I'm not really going to draft him around about or a round or two above his ADP for a single fantasy point every week. I, I think that you're better off getting 
better running backs and receivers and whatever tickets to the lottery that you can get instead of picking up um, a, a kicker. It's just you don't have the upside there, so I'll leave it to waivers or or the very last pick in the draft. I actually think there's right. more upside in your defense than your kicker, to be honest. Because like if you True, just look you at it, defense. in your leagues, like it's generally – like I've been using this strategy. I go on team rankings, and I look at teams that just give up the most kicks – because that is a better indicator of kicking points than how good the kicker actually is. Unless they okay. suck ass. If they just miss the kicks, then obviously you're not going to score. But generally well, speaking, if you're an NFL kicker, you're not always missing kicks. And if you do, you get cut halfway through the season. So, oh, yeah, like, they won't stand with it. And it, like, to a certain extent, the defense play, like, you know, the off for defense is the offense that you're playing against determines your points. But, like, Dude, you could have started Miami's defense against any team last year, and they would have produced. Like even against the Chiefs, they picked him off, picked off Patrick Mahomes like three times and put up a good week. Well, that's the thing. You want the defense that gets you know turnovers. You know, mm-hmm. it just creates turnovers. Like you look two years ago, that Patriots defense that was so good, and they were putting up crazy numbers in fantasy because I think they were getting three or four turnovers a game. And same thing with mm-hmm. Miami next year. I mean. Like the defense can give up twenty something points, but if like you get turnovers, you're just fine. Now if they give up twenty points and get no turnovers, like you know, it's just like an average outing. Yeah, it's all about the turnovers. All right, let's get into auction stuff. Um, auction drafts. So auction drafts. A lot of the strategies that I have implemented in redraft leagues and auction leagues do overlap, but there definitely is a difference. And the biggest difference is in auction leagues, I don't focus as heavily on stacking running backs. And the reason for that is, A, the top running backs go for way more than the receivers. Even mm-hmm. aside from maybe like the top two receivers, the, like guys like McCaffrey and Saquon, at least last year when I did play auction leagues, like they went for out of a $200 budget. 10 to 15 more than like a DeAndre Hopkins, right? And that matters because that 10 to 15 come middle to end of the draft can nab you a good player, right? That's the difference between nabbing like an Austin Eckler and a Naheem Hines, at least a couple years ago, Austin Eckler, right? Like that that's the difference. So like I think the first thing that I want to say about auction leagues is if you're going to go for the big ticket items – you better be calculated about it because if you blow 130 of your budget on two players, you only got 70 left and you're going to have to be super bargain buying for the rest of your team and pray that those two dudes you picked up are studs or you picked up the best bargain buys in your league and a couple of them. So Mm -hmm. first things first is I set a price on all the big ticket items. If you want to completely not pay for someone, that's fine. Like, I agree with that. But in terms of the Saquon Barkleys and and the Alvin Kamaras and stuff, unless you have a very specific strategy around, okay, I'm going to spend 120 on this. I know I can pick up these two dudes for a single dollar, this quarterback for two, a couple other running backs for two. That's fine, right? Go ahead. You can be all freaking MacGyver about it. But if you're just willy-nilly like, oh, I want Alvin Kamara, like 54 seems like a good price. No, 
do a couple of mock drafts, see what some of these guys go for, and set a very reasonable reasonable price for them. So, like, let's say out of a two hundred dollar budget, Dalvin Cook, you set at 50, 50 bucks or like fifty two bucks. Yeah, you're probably not going to get him for that. But I am going to bid all those players for my price tag every single time. And you will be surprised at some of the deals you get. Because me and Steve did an auction league a couple years ago where we did that with George Kittle. All the freaking yeah. auctions that we did, he was always going for like 32 to 30 to 35. We picked him up for 25. And this is not a scrub league. We paid like, I think we paid a decent amount of cash to be in that league. I forget exactly what it was. But like, we picked him up for 25 budget. And we were just like, what the hell just happened? Because we bid on every single player that we kind of liked for a price that was very fair. And you end up with mm. some good deals doing that. And you don't overspend. Yeah, yeah. So that's the biggest thing for auction leagues is don't be a freaking idiot and don't chase the bait. Just set a price tag on all the guys that you want. And yeah, you can go a little bit above for some dudes. But in auction leagues, it's more so about value than it is about stacking the players that you want. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, just reiterating, uh, you have to do a couple mock drafts in auction leagues to get to get the hang of it because it is very – I think it would be very tempting, uh, especially if you have a $200 budget and you see, like, oh, dude, like, I could just blow this all right now and CMC is going to – just carry me to the championship. And uh, no, I, I think you still go on the strategy where you can find, like, you can kind of moneyball it, really. You can find these budget guys and get people out of these and just have the most money in these mid rounds and just kind of bully people around and players that you really like. Okay. So let's just go in the other ways that I differ from my redraft strategy and auctions because obviously it's a completely different format. Um, I actually really like targeting receivers in auction leagues. And the strategy that we've employed in all of our auction leagues that I absolutely love is you get the stable, you know they're going to produce wide receiver ones for way cheaper than the flashy wide receiver ones. So who am I talking about? Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, those guys. Because guys like D-Hop are always going to go for that top ticket wide receiver price all these mm -hmm. other dudes go for 10 to 15 less so yeah. i want to cooper cup is another one like dude i want to snag up all the veterans that everyone knows are going to produce but for some reason will not pay the actual wide receiver one price for we stack these guys right in our leagues dude like we we picked up in every auction league like keenan allen mike evans and cooper cup and we paid the price of like you know, for those three players, how do, I'm trying to think of a way to put it. Okay, basically, instead of picking up two Alvin Kamaras for like 55 plus a pop, which is like, let's just say 115 of your budget, we picked up Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans for a combined, let's just say like, you know, generally somewhere between 25 to 35 a pop. So we paid like, 90 to 100 for those guys and then with the difference we add a running back so like already mm -hmm. we have double the amount of players that we have on our team 
which is important because that means that we have more budget to spend on average for every single spot on our roster. And we still have a good team that we're confident in. It's not like we were just bargain buying and missed out on all the good players. Right. And plus like, you know, those two um, stud players, like someone paid for and you pick up three or four guys that are like, just going to produce, like we're talking points wise here. I mean, I still think you're going to beat them because, like, you're just building a team that's just – like, you don't have the guy that's going to pop off for 40 points, but you have four of them that can easily get you 12. Yeah, so what we do then, right, once we have the established stud receivers that we like that we picked up for cheaper than they really should go for, and you probably just want to set, like, a maximum price. Like, a, I don't think setting a hard max is necessarily what I would do, but having, like, okay, I'm not going to go pay – 42 for a receiver because that four budget may actually become important. Like I want to spend on three good ass, you know, you have your list of really good receivers. I want to spend a combined 90 budget on these guys. Right. And you know, you have your list. Okay. I'll spend a little bit more on Keenan Allen than Cooper cup, obviously. Right. But you want to pick mm-hmm. up just three or I think we usually did three like solid ass receivers so that we have our receivers down pat like we we spent basically half our budget making sure that our receiving core was filled out and then with the other budget we just pick up running back twos we pick up all the rb2s we don't overpay for them but we spend 25 to 30 budget rb2s and we had massive success a couple years ago we picked up aaron jones for 25 budget he ended up being like the rb2 on the season i mean this year like you said josh jacobs He's a great guy to go get because realistically he's got a great shot of being an RB1 and you get an extremely fair RB2 price on him. I I haven't done any auction drafts, but I can basically assure you, given his ranking, that's what's going to happen. So all these Mm -hmm. dudes in that tier we were mentioning earlier, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, and then even down a little bit more like Mike Davis, Javante Williams – I instead of spending sixty bucks on a Camara, I'm going to spend sixty bucks and pick up two to three possible, you know, all those dudes. Like I'll pick up a Josh Jacobs, I'll pick up a Miles Sanders, and then with the extra seven fab, I'll go and pick up a Trey Sermon and a JD McKissick or my quarterback. Right? Like I I split one top ticket item into two RB twos and then depth. Right. Um. Okay, I think the so yeah, generally speaking, we kind of went over the running backs that we like. Stack RB2s, right? And then you kind of just play the the value game at that point. Um tight end, like like I said, we don't have I don't really have a huge strategy for buying tight ends. It's just I set a price tag on them and I bid them up all to that price that seems fair to me. I think less so than the big ticket items like the big ticket items, I'm only going to pay a very fair price for, which I usually never get them. But I'm going to make sure you pay more than my fair price, right? Tight ends, mm-hmm. I set a very fair market price for them. So, like, let's just say that George Kittle, on average, goes for, like, 35 Somewhere between 30 to 35 I will bid him up to 32 no matter what. Right, and you figure that out from doing a couple mocks or looking at auction data, whatever. Right, I'm just gonna bid him up to that price. If I get him, I'm very happy. I just got George Kittle, a top tight end, at a fair price. 
If not, okay, cool. Someone bid over a fair price for George Kittle. Simple as that. And if I don't get a tight end, well, then the entire league overpaid for tight ends. If I do, then I got one at a fair or under a fair price. Right. Um, and then lastly, I think the only position we haven't touched on is quarterbacks. I want to pay at maximum $2 for my quarterback in a $200 budget. And you, it's the same thing with regular redraft, right? I'm picking them up at the at the back end, dude. We we um and our I, I think we picked up Russ when we did it a couple years ago, right? Two years ago, we picked up Russell Wilson. It was did funny. Be- I think we did. I think we picked up Russell Wilson. And what's funny is that our backup quarterback was Lamar Jackson, his second year, and he actually ended up being the QB one that season, winning the MVP. Yeah. Both of those guys, you could have got for $1 or $2. I think we bid $2 on Russell Wilson because I really wanted him. But you you could have got Lamar Jackson that year for $1. You can get a QB1 for $1. You can. Oh, yeah, easily. And, like, yeah, usually I'll nominate the quarterback I want. Like, okay, yeah, maybe if you really want the guy, go ahead, pay $3 for him. But that's the very max. I'm not paying more than 3 Usually I like to do two because someone else will nominate the guy and then I get the bid, so I'm at two, and then you make them pay three if they really want them, right? So quarterbacks, new maximum is three, not two. Putting that putting that down, right? Like that that. I like that, new max three. But, yeah, I'm not paying more than three. That's 1.5% of your budget, right? Yeah. Not not going over that. I'm spending the rest on receivers, running backs, and tight ends. The things that actually matter. Yeah, I want the meat of the team. And then it, I, I'm not even sure, like kickers and defense. I'm not spending any money on. No, no shot. Like, I guess a one dollar max, which is like yeah. I might not even nominate them. I might just go in the waivers and pick them up after the draft is yeah. done, unless I, mean, I really want one someone. Could. Matters like like I said, I think it matters more for defenses than it does for kickers. To be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. All right, sorry, Steve. I kind of rambled on there for a while. I actually really like the auction format. Maybe we should do another one. I'm down, dude. I did the, the auction was honestly probably the fun, most fun draft I've ever done. It feels like you have more control in the auction leagues. It's like because in redraft, you can just get into a pick that you hate, like. I notoriously hate picking in the very middle. Like, I hate pick mm-hmm. six. It's not fun. Because when you're picking in the very middle, it's like the other guys determine who you pick to a certain extent. Because you kind of always have yeah. to pick for value. Whereas if you have the turn, you can make the swing plays, right? You can, okay, I'm going to go running back, running back, and all of a sudden there's two less running backs. Or, like, I'll go receiver, receiver, whatever, right? Um Whereas in the middle, it's like, okay, well, everyone just took running back in front of me. Maybe I should take a receiver. Okay, well, all these dudes just took receivers. Hey, maybe it's time for a running back, right? Yeah, I do think the Austin draft has – you have much more control and you, you do control more of your team because, like, you don't have to worry about the, that snake kind of, like, draft and just getting boned. Mm. Okay, last thing I want to talk about for auctions before the, we end the episode. Who are the bargain buys that you would go for? Um. Quarterbacks, we kind of already mentioned. I want to go for the meaty guys, like the running backs. I know we've mentioned a lot of these dudes because, like, 
generally speaking, like there's a direct correlation between your draft pick and your auction value. Um, mm-hmm. But Ronald Jones is a dude that I really like. I think that he's he's a dude that's an RB2 priced as an RB3, and he's not a sexy RB2. But, I mean, you can have him as, like, your fourth running back with our auction strategy. Like, you can probably pick him up yeah. for, like, $10, and he's a phenomenal buy. Put Damien Harris probably in that book, too, then. Yeah, I like some of the rookies, right, that we mentioned earlier. Trey Sermon, I think, is a fantastic buy that you can get for probably, like, less than five. Um, Michael Carter might have a little more hype, and you may actually have to pay up for him, but it's nothing crazy. It's nothing groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, J.D. McKissick is a guy that you can probably pick up for, like, a buck or two. I think is all right. Um, who else is there that I'm looking at? Everyone else, all these really lower-end guys, I think you'd probably want to end up on waivers. But, yeah, I guess we can get into some of the RB2s that we like. I, I really – maybe for next episode I'll look at, at some auction data to get some more accurate prices on them. But I think that the the highest-valued running back that I would go in on is like a Nick Chubb. I think all the other yeah. dudes I'd let the rest of the league have blow their money on. And I'm I'm going to nominate these dudes for the other guys to bid on. Like, I'm going to nominate them, immediately bid up to my slightly under fair price, let everyone else have them, and then bang. Like, I'll start bidding on Nick Chubb. And it's funny because I've been shitting on Joe Mixon, but if you can get him for a fair price, go. I don't discriminate, dude. I, I do a, a fair price for all these dudes, right? And just give right. me every RB2. I want a whole – slew of RB2s on my team. I think Nick Chubb would be a good buy because, like, obviously McCaffrey, Barkley, Dalvin, people are going to buy Eckler, Aaron Jones. They're going to buy him at RB1 prices. Yeah, so, like, if you can get Chubb at that cheaper RB1 price, I mean, that just sets you up because he's an absolute tank. And, you like, know, the whole theory is that if you if you bid them up automatically to a slightly under fair price, you kind of make sure that everyone's paying fair price for all these assets. And if you mm-hmm. end up for them, well, congratulations, you got a guy at slightly a discount, which is always fine in auction leagues, right? Then you just kind of maneuver your strategy a little bit. It's just generally speaking, you're not going to get those guys for mm-hmm. those. I mean, sometimes it happens, but generally it doesn't. But, like, all these dudes, like, if you go on Fantasy Pros, you look at Tier 3 and Tier 4, I'm snagging up all these dudes. Nick Chubb, Mixon, Akers, Gibson, Edward Solaire, Najee, DeAndre Swift. Even I don't like DeAndre Swift, and I'd bid on him. Chris Carson, J.K. Dobbins. Like, dude, I am just going to try and bargain buy any of these guys. And I'm not going to discriminate. I'm not going to say, like, oh, well, Miles Sanders I I don't like, so I'm not going to bid on him at all. Like, no, dude, if I can pick up Miles Sanders for under a fair market price, I will gladly do it. I, I agree with that, looking at the other tiers. And I guess receivers, we can go into receivers before we end um, that we would put in that tier one. Like, So we mentioned a couple, Keenan Allen, I think Terry McLaurin is in there, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Julio, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, 
Brandon Ayuk, Odell. Corden Sutton's interesting. I think he's around there. Debo Samuel. Yeah, Debo for me. Just because you can pick him. He's more of like a bargain buy kind of a guy than like a, I'm going to pay a wide receiver two price for him. Um, everyone below them is like bargain buying to a certain extent. About like a DJ Chark. He's interesting. Um, I think you could probably get him at a pretty good price, to be honest. But I'm not. I'm not necessarily targeting him. Yeah, I know. If he was just there, though. Like Tyler Lockett's another guy that like I'd end up with if I got him for cheap. I'm not going to target him. Same thing with Juju. I'm not going to target him. I'll probably let someone else pay like an actual price for him. Mm-hmm. But like if I were to end up with my receiving core for like a fair price, um, somewhere between like 35 to 30 bucks a pop, like DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods, I'd be pretty ecstatic. Maybe, maybe you don't want the stack with the Rams, but regardless, like DJ Moore, Mike Evans, and and Cooper Cup, I, I think that's a phenomenal yeah, receiving core. And you, you know, yeah. you pick them all up for like relatively fair prices. If someone wants to bid them up, go ahead. I'll, I'll fill in with Brandon Ayuk. I'll fill in with Cortland Sutton. Tyler Boyd is probably like a phenomenal value you get in these leagues to pick up as like your fourth receiver. Mm-hmm. Will Fuller, I think is another phenomenal value by Brandon cooks. Like dude, all these dudes, Jarvis Landry, like, and I think that that's the reason why I don't want to pay 120 value for two players is because you miss out on, on a whole slew of value deals, right? Yeah. You just don't have the budget to do it. You know, you're, if you spend 120 on two players, you, you really can't afford spending 28 and picking well, yeah, up you're, you, Cooper you, you Cup. You just become strapped yeah. with money from them, and you really can't do anything. You know, you, you miss out on so many. Just I think have I, a couple I wonder dogs. what Calvin Ridley is going for. I feel like he's going to – I think it depends on the kind of league because, like, the league we did – you know, we got Kittle at an amazing price, but I'm sure in some leagues he went. He definitely went higher than just twenty five dollars. You know, like I, I can see Calvin's some leagues you stealing him. I think it just depends how these first people go, and then. But I don't know. What, what do you think you can get Calvin at forty, forty five? I'm not sure I'd pay that necessarily. I'm I think trying to see if there's an auction value sheet. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I found one. So Calvin Ridley, they say, is oh my god, thirty-two is the fair value. Only thirty-two. Wow. See, yeah, that's why. Like, okay, so now that we have something to at least go off of, this is fantasy pros. Like Christian McCaffrey's value seventy-one. Dalvin Cook sixty-six. Derrick Henry sixty-four. Kamara is fifty, but he's probably going for more than that if Derrick Henry's going for sixty-four. But then, like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to pick up D Hop or AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, like. They have Mike Evans and Keenan Allen at 21 value. Terry mm. McLaurin at 19 value. Dude, That's I crazy. will take that all day. Easy. <coughs> yeah, and I'm not – they have Josh Allen at 27 too. bucks. Kobe, I'm not paying 27 for Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm not doing that either. Just I'm because gonna, you're going to find another guy. 
You know, I'll, they have Matt Stafford at three. Yeah, I'll pay my three fab, my three dollars for Matt Stafford, and be chill, or my two dollars for Matt Ryan, gladly. Do so you pick up Deshaun Watson? Maybe just take the take the shot on Deshaun. You could take the just because this would probably be the lowest you could ever buy him at an auction draft. But yeah, like Tyree Kill, his value is at forty two. Devontae mm. Adams at 40. Those guys I'm probably staying away from. I would pick up Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley at 32 a pop. DeAndre Hopkins at 29 seems like too good to be true, to be honest. Like those three, I would definitely pick up to lead my receiving core and bid them up to that price 100%. They have tra- like Travis Kelsey, like I, they have his fair vet at 39. I'd bid him up to like 36, 37. And if someone mm-hmm. wants to pay more than that, go ahead. I think I'd rather pick up because they have George Kill and Darren Waller at twenty nine and twenty seven respectively. I'd rather save the ten bucks and go for one of those guys. Yeah, you usually could. So I would bid those guys up to their fair price, probably a little bit more, like thirty a pop for them, maybe even more, like thirty one, thirty two. But yeah, um, Steve, I actually think I want to do an auction draft again with you. So, well, um, let's do it. Yeah, Spot maybe we'll stream lead. it. So yeah, we could do that. Yeah, let's do that. We we gotta find a good league because the last league we were in was pretty good. Yeah, but that's gonna do it for the episode. Um, if you want to see stuff like that, more content, follow us on trip on Twitch. Jeez, link is in the description. We stream all the episodes. Um, but if you made it this far, thank you so much for watching. Watching, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We're going to come back next week with guys that we're fading and strategies that we don't agree with and kind of just more redraft and auction league fantasy football talk. We're going to kind of try and fill that in until uh, the season starts ramping up a little bit more. But thank you so much for listening and peace out.